Hello, and welcome to the Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Alex Muir, helping you flex your mind, body, and soul. In today's episode 59, we're going to be speaking with Todd Nyholm. And please welcome Todd Nyholm to the podcast. And this episode is brought to you by RadioGuestList.com, the number one free radio guest podcast and talk show guest expert interview booking service on the internet. Disclaimer. All information provided by Alex Muir is of general nature and is spoken from Alex Muir's and his guests' personal experiences and personal opinions on the topics related to fitness, health, and education only. No information is to be taken as medical or other health advice pertaining to any specific health or medical condition. You agree that use of this information is at your own risk and hold Alex Muir harmless from any and all losses, liabilities, injuries, or damages resulting from any and all claims. Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Alex Muir, helping you flex your mind, body, and soul. And in today's episode 59, we're going to be speaking with, speaking with Todd Nyholm. Todd Nyholm is a uh, somantic therapist who, through his personal experience, has discovered the undeniable relationship between mind and body. His studies have made him an expert in all types of therapy, from visceral manipulation, craniosacral, to acupuncture, shiatsu, and reflexology. His Nitality Method offers people the solutions they need to live a healthier and happier life. Since 2002, Todd has run a somantic therapy practice and continues his holistic education by maintaining his studies at the renowned South Florida Barrel and Upledger Institutes. He helps people get healthier by using the methods learned at the institutes and those he developed himself during his earlier years when searching for answers to his own emotional and physical challenges. In his first book, Ah Food, Why Do You Trouble Me So Much?, Todd shared 14 mental and emotional steps to help understand what sabotages diet, weight, and health goals beyond poor food choices. His actionable and fresh insights to holistic wellness have been featured on how not to get sick and die, health media now, wellness radio, and food experience unplugged, among others. And please welcome Todd and I home to the podcast. Todd, pleasure to have you on the Mindset Podcast today. I know you had reached back, uh, reached out to me back in October, November 2020, so I'm really happy that we got to reconnect and uh, welcome thanks for having me i'm really excited to talk to you i think we have a lot of things in common so yeah i know it definitely definitely and especially especially when it relates to um the psychology behind yeah let's let's start there behind the psychology behind um our food choices um and our yeah like our food and diet choices um i want to start off by asking you there todd um what is like the mental and emotional checklist you need before you take another bite of, you know, that, that food that you're looking to eat? Yeah, that was interesting. Cause one of the things I designed in that first book I wrote, um, and I've written a couple since, but that was, you know, it's kind of special to me because it was the first one I wrote and was been published, but was like, I kept tripping over diets, you know, and I'd lose weight and then I would gain it and then I'd lose weight and I would gain it. And I saw it in my clientele as well, just this like yo-yoing up and down. And so I was like, okay, there's something more here. And I think it's probably sitting more in the mental and emotional space than just the physical space. And so I tried to make a checklist that someone could go through every day like even when they sit down and eat it's like okay go through this checklist and settle yourself out figure out why you're eating today are you 
are you eating now because it's 6 p.m. on a Thursday and you've worked a long week and everyone in your family always ate ice cream when they were stressed out, you know, and so you eat half a, a tub of ice cream, which kind of wrecks maybe your, your weight loss goals. But people don't notice it and they don't notice that there's mental and emotional things. And so in that book, I laid out a series of steps that you could just go through and it, it would take a while to go through them all right here. Um, but they're, they're little things where you just walk through them. And once you get used to it, in 30 seconds, you kind of mentally go through and you're like, oh, I don't really feel like eating this bag of potato chips right now because I was stressed out. And, and it kind of wakes you up to what's going on inside. Yeah, yeah, I totally get you because I myself, like, <clears throat> like when I first started dieting for the first time, because like when we're young, right, we feel we can eat pretty much anything, you know, that there is, right? And you're when you're younger, you're growing, you're, your metabolism's revving, right? You've got, you know, most likely you're doing uh, different sports or some sort of activities like pretty regularly um, to stay busy. And you're, you're, you know, but at that time, like of your life, when you're really young, you don't really understand like that food is, is energy. Food is, uh, food gives you energy to do more, right? To take more action, to, um, you know, be, uh, be able to do more exercise. But sometimes uh when we're younger like we just we'll just eat everything in sight but we won't really there's no really method to it it's just oh like we're just really hungry just want to eat everything that's available kind of a thing versus when you start dieting then you start to get uh there's more structure to your eating patterns but like you're saying then you go through this phase where sometimes you'll have a bad week or a bad day and then there's like emotional triggers that change your eating pattern to from positive to negative so really appreciate you bringing that up of like uh like having some sort of checklist or um something to keep you uh kind of like more mindful around your eating yeah and it was like such a big difference for me because like when i started using it i was like wait a second there's all these things that i'm, re I'm eating for other than for the food or the nutrition or the energy and Certainly there's times for that. It just needs to be somewhat regulated and conscious as you go through it. Because so many of our eating habits you learned when you were like four, right? From people who may never have thought about their eating habits or they've been doing something for decades in a certain way that doesn't necessarily um, help you or get your health going. You know? No, for sure. And then the, the food ladder method. Can you explain a little bit about like what that is or how that um, correlates to kind of like people's or your clients' uh, personal eating patterns? You bet. I mean, and it's, it's ultimately the steps that I was just mentioning. And, you know, I use that term laddering because they go from one to another so that you can climb yourself kind of out of a hole or out of a pit that you might be in where food becomes kind of a, and it can be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be food, but in the way I wrote it in the book, it was for food, but to get you out of that kind of hole that you can be stuck in. So it's like, okay, grab the, the first rung. And the first rung is like, okay, get into your body. What does your body feel like? Is your body actually hungry? Or are you just kind of mentally hungry? Is there space in your stomach like do you already feel kind of full because you ate two hours ago but now you for some mental or emotional reason you sit down and so it just kind of climbs you out in that way those were the first two steps um to kind of get you going there okay right on and um as far as uh, uh going back to like people's mindset around food or their psychology behind it right um like when they're when they're when someone's diet's failed uh now now, now what do they do what can they what can they do to like you were saying like stop that yo-yo effect of dieting like should they just not diet at all or is there just something like utilizing like that checklist to help them um, or, or I think you mentioned actually on your website 
uh, like journaling, like keeping a journal to track your food and then how you're feeling based on the foods that you eat. Yeah, you bet. You know, if you find yourself in that situation, I would just like take a step back and say, okay, most of the typical diets aren't going to work. They kind of tend to work on a force mechanic, like you're just going to eat chicken and broccoli for seven weeks or something, which doesn't necessarily make sense and certainly isn't sustainable long term. And so if you find yourself there, it's good to just kind of step back and say, okay, this time I'm going to take a little time to do this rather than trying to do it in six weeks. I'm going to give myself six months to see if I can make a change. And journaling is a great way to start. Like, let's say you're just ravenously hungry, sit down and say, well, how was my day today? Was the day stressful? Am I, you know, going, going back to that sort of emotional kind of eating? Or do I eat this because it was like modeled for me? Or did someone just break up for me and I'm eating donuts because I saw it on Friends or whatever that trigger, <laughs> trigger you might have there, you know? And certainly the checklist was made for that, like getting out of that. And so, you know, if you want a whole series of steps to do it, that's great. But if you find yourself there right now, I would just say, okay, I'm going to use six months or a year. Or if you're quite a bit overweight, give it a couple years and just say, I'm going to do this like I'm building a house. Okay, what's the foundational step, right? Why do I eat this way? Why is this important to me? Figure out why it's so important to lose weight. And maybe you find out that statistically, you're more likely to die 14 years early if you're obese. So literally meaning your body fat percentage is over 33% of your body weight. So you, you learn those little things. And that's not a bad step in the beginning to kind of go, wait a second, this is probably really important. I don't want to try to hack this. I want to do this a right way and in a way that I can I can move myself forward. So then it's kind of like overhauling everything. And then every day, just start with one little thing. Okay, when I sit down to eat, I'm going to take a minute and just take a nice deep breath, get into my body, see what my body feels like. And then if I normally eat in three minutes, like you just got to pile it in, I'm going to try to eat for nine minutes, see how my body feels while I do it. And when you start to do that, your body wakes up, it starts to talk to you. And like pretty soon you're like, man, I don't really want to eat this. I really do prefer maybe some of this and maybe you eat 90% of what you would have because you went slower and your body has time to give you the signal. Hey, this is a good time to stop. So those are good places to start, but just like one little thing at a time and make sure you succeed, make sure every day that you can find a step that's small enough to succeed, you know, and sometimes that means at the beginning, you're going to go from seven um, Cokes a day down to six. And then maybe in two weeks you go down to five, you know, and you, you take the time to just really establish a new habit. Yeah, no, I like that. So like uh, too, too many times uh, people try and do like all or nothing. And, and I, I've been in that boat myself, like with, especially with the dieting, right? Trying to be super strict where I had like basically no salt or anything like that. But it was bad because we still need salt. We just need healthy salt, right? And, um, and like when I basically cut out all sauce and all salt, my body was like felt like super starved. And right. uh, not, not, not feeling nourished at all. So I learned from that and, you know, I went from being super strict to being kind of in the middle and now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like more in the middle and it's mindful eating, right? And it's intuitive eating and it's a great place to be because you don't feel deprived, but you don't also feel like you're, um, too strict either, right? You want to be in that kind of middle ground where you're listening to your body and then you, you know, you kind of fat a little fast a little bit later into the day when you're not, you know, as hungry, you're not, you're not forcing, force, forcing eating just because you're feeling a certain way. You're just listening to your body, like you said, and, uh, and then being mindful of how quickly you eat too. Like, uh, I feel like, like you said, like slowing down, um, when we eat and then also, uh, going for water first hydration. Like a lot of people, when they think they're hungry, uh, because of, a you know, an emotional trigger too, a lot of times they're very, uh, dehydrated. Because especially if you drink any kind of uh, caffeine, like coffee or 
or energy drinks or anything like that, or Cokes, like you were saying, like throughout the day, when you're, when we go to fur to stay hydrated first, it'll, that'll also help our, uh, our body catch up to see if we're hungry or not. Yeah. And it's a big deal. I saw a German study once that mapped out how much extra people eat when they're dehydrated. Oh, it's yeah. Huge. You know, and it, just getting enough water, even if you just get up in the morning and you drink like 16 ounces, which is what those German researchers suggested, like get up, drink 16 ounces of water and start your day that way. And a lot of people are really dehydrated for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And, um, uh, you had in here as well, uh, five exercises that fire up your metabolism so you can eat more, but lose more weight. What were some of those exercises that you'd uh, recommend to people that want to, you know, maybe their metabolism's, uh, been dialed back a bit because of their eating style, but, uh, what are some kind of ways that people can like crank up their metabolism again, just to kind of give it like a, a reset? Yeah. One of the things I was really, you know, figuring out too, when I was losing weight and trying to change my body is like, how do you get your body ready to eat? You know? And yeah. so before you eat, if you do like, let's say you're totally out of shape and you just go and do like 20 wall pushups. Like you're literally just leaning against a wall and you do 20 pushups. And then maybe you do like five or six kind of half pushups, um, something like that. Um, just to get your body kind of like moving a little bit and revving a little bit and if you're in good shape you can take that to much higher levels like where you're even sitting at a table and you're doing isometric contractions with your legs um, under the table pushing against the floor or you put your hands between your knees and isometrically contract against the the power of your arms pushing against your legs or any way that you can kind of like juice up your body a little bit and get a little bit of a muscle muscle contraction at the beginning and particularly like i said if you're particularly out of shape that's a wonderful place to start you'll start to build your body if you're already in great shape and you're already burning a ton of calories you, you probably don't necessarily need that you know if you're running marathons or you're hiking or you're doing some heavy duty lifting but in the middle um, it can be really useful and then if your digestion isn't good this is kind of actually how i discovered this like if i did that before i ate it really helped my digestion which is something i'd struggle with since i was a kid so I had some parasites in there that I didn't know about, but it really helped. It like really stimulated the actual breakdown of the food. No, definitely. I've, I've definitely heard that like doing like, uh, yeah, some sort of like light, light exercise, like just to get a pump, like before, like you're eating like a, let's say like something that's like takes a little longer to digest, right? Like steak or chicken or something like that. Um, or Turkey, like doing, doing some sort of like, you know, if you go for a walk or, yeah, like push-ups, squat, bodyweight squats, like anything like that will help. Like just everything flow better, like through your system when you're about to eat, like a large meal. Yeah, and then, really and then yeah, no, definitely. And then probably post post eating too, like post meal, going for like a walk or something like that. To like it'll just help everything kind of stay fine tuned. And do you take any sort of uh, digestive enzymes or anything like that, or any supplements that have helped? Because I know digestion's a big thing because uh, relating to psychology, um, like our gut is like our second brain, like uh, doctors say, right? Like there's a huge relation of, okay, how we feel in our, in our, uh, you know, our main brain, but then our second brain, our gut, if that's off your, your main brain is going to be off because they're so interrelated of like, you know, how we process our emotions and, um, cognitive function. Yeah, 100%, you know, and then it, if you play with it a little bit, you see like if you're not digesting well, you go back to work and all of a sudden you're mentally 
kind of foggy or fatigued. And, you know, I've, I've played with probably every digestive enzyme you can think of and apple cider vinegar and a bunch of those things. And some are helpful. You know, some of the more like if you get into the mid level and the, the higher ones where they're a bit more expensive, they, they do tend to work better. And another way, good way to get ahead of that is to make sure that you're chewing enough. And, and that's right. one of the steps in that ladder, too. It's like, OK, I, like I had a friend that was in the Marine Corps and his whole family was like that. He could eat a whole meal in like 18 seconds, you know. <laughs> oh, my like, God. But he could also digest anything. He was one of the first people I'd ever met that could eat anything you wanted to. Never had any indigestion at all. And, and for me, being on the other side of it, I was like, how does that work? You know, and he just happened yeah. to blessed in that way but some of us you know it's the other way yeah so like you know getting a good digestive enzyme apple cider vinegar is a pretty cheap option if it's around you know um, papaya are great and there's of course nicer and nicer ones that you can go to um and some people need them a lot and but i would check the chewing thing first because it's free and easy <laughs> easy to work through and make sure you have enough salivary amylase when it's in your mouth because there's something going on there that's breaking down the starches and starting the digestive process so it's important to kind of break it down a little bit there not that you want to chew for 72 hours every bite. You'll drive yourself crazy. Just try to go a little farther. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More more chews for sure. Yeah. And uh, like that's for, like for myself. Um, I've always <clears throat> I've always been like a slower eater. Like ever since I just enjoy eating food. And especially when it's like a really good meal. Like I'm one of those, I'm one of those people that like like mumbles when I eat. I'm like, mmm. <laughs> but but it's like because it's just like like when it's a really good meal i, I naturally just want to slow myself down because i want to enjoy the meal and i feel like if i eat too fast i can't enjoy it and i'm actually someone that's always not suffered from indigestion like but i've had i've uh almost been hypoglycemic where like i would eat certain meals and i would really suffer after like if i don't eat things in order if i eat like starch first and then protein and then veggies or something like that. I've always had to eat in a specific eating pattern. So it's forced me to eat slower and it's forced me to chew more. Um, and it's always been a bit of a pain, but cause I have, like you said, like you have other friends that can just eat whatever they want and they don't have any issues at all, right. but it's, it's genetic too, I think. Cause my dad's had a similar issue too, but ever since that I've been having these digestive enzymes and of course, you know, regular exercise and, drinking mainly water, it's helped a ton. Um, I haven't had any other issues because before when I, um, it's also related to what I eat too. Like I can't eat, like it's avoiding like those bad oils, right? Like canola oil and vegetable oils and stuff like that. Um, and trying to avoid like any uh, artificial sweeteners and stuff like that. Cause that stuff does wreak havoc on your, on your gut microbiome and stuff. So yeah, and it's really important to pay attention to those things because there's specific things that like your body doesn't like, or maybe your genetic group or whatever that's like, oh, this is this is really tough. And there's there's other little like mechanical things that you can learn to do where you're literally physically moving your stomach that comes from some of the visceral work that I've trained in. And so like someone who knows how to do that could teach you how to do some of that. But there's a lot of ways to start to correct it, especially if it's been there since you were young. There's there's a lot of cool ways to to do better. No, definitely. Like especially like ph physiologically, like. Uh... Like last time I had a massage with my massage therapist, I was telling him about this because I, you know, it's not, it's not really like, uh, they call it, I think they call it GERD, like gastro, whatever. Um, but basically like there is some things that you can do when you're getting massage. Like they like, uh, my massage therapist, like he like helped like kind of like stretches out the stomach more or whatever. There's like a, there's a, there are ways to do it that way. So you're basically like taking the, 
because it's crazy how like he was saying with my anatomy, he's saying that my stomach was actually too, too high. So you, so through like, you know, the multiple sessions, you can actually like put reposition the stomach, like where it's meant to be like lower down. So he was saying when your stomach's too high, people that get an indigestion often, or they have digestive issues, their stomach's generally too high or sitting too high under their diaphragm. So that's right. where they have a tendency to choke more on food or the food doesn't go down right to that, to your stomach, uh, properly. So by realigning it and getting it more realigned, like, and, uh, dropping it down further, it just helps you just, you know, slow down your eating, but also like it helps your, uh, your food digest a little bit better. So I had no idea that that was even a thing so that you could do physiologically. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's a big deal because the stomach lining can get pulled up into the sphincter, right? When that pressure yeah. is up there, and then it can't close, and then you're getting acid up there. And if you can yeah. realign it and reposition it, like it sounds like exactly what he's doing, and yeah, it can make a nice difference. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, for your uh, uh, like semantic therapy, like I've heard it a little bit, and I did do a little bit of research on it because I know it's kind of like a combination of uh, acupuncture, reflexology, all that kind of stuff. So is that all that kind of stuff intertwined for that kind of therapy? It's just like, uh, you know, kind of like the Chinese medicine, uh, more like, not like your traditional kind of therapy, but like alternative therapy kind of thing. Right. Yeah. In a way, I mean, you're working through the body to get sort of to the mind and emotions and, and there's a few ways people come at it. So there are like real just general psychotherapists that will use methods to get into somatic therapy that way. And then there's people like more like me who are working through the body through like mechanically working with it and then acupressure and, and herbs and, and all kinds of things. But it's a, it's kind of a catch all term for some different things. And so like I, I'm using usually six or seven therapies at the clinic plus the one I made. And there's like no way to put that all on a card. And so, you know, you can things <laughs> yeah. like somatic therapy, you know, and, and, and so it's it's growing and it, there's a few different ways that it's done, but it's a super cool work. And if you can find someone who does it, they can really make some cool changes in your whole system. Yeah, because I feel like it's uh, oh, yeah, there's another word for it. Functional, functional doctor, functional medicine. Right. It's like right. Like you're saying, like the, doing things to help with the body and then by getting the, the body prepped right through different means. Um, Tony Robbins was talking about it. He's like, the only way you can change your mental state is by changing the state of your body. If your bot, the the reason why your mental, uh, your mentally you might be distressed is because your body is carrying all that stress. So in order to reduce the stress, your stress overall, you actually have to move the body in different in different in a different manners, right? That could be through stretching, like yoga, cardio weightlifting, all those things will play a role in helping to alleviate your, your mental stress. And it does make a huge difference. And they said, like, I think I was reading psychology today, or an article on there and there. And I was also talking to my therapist and they were saying basically, um, short bouts of exercise, 20 to 30 minutes a day, almost has the same effect or a better effect than antidepressants. And I was crazy to hear that because it's just, it's, you know, if it's an option, if you're able to, like, to avoid taking any sort of, uh, you know, some people need, some people do need drugs, uh, and there's a place for them. But I feel like if you're, if you're able to avoid that and use alternative means, healthy means, then uh, that's, that's a, that's a much better option. 
Yeah, there's a lot of cool ways everything's intertwined, you know, and so things are going from your mind to your body and then from your body to your mind and then your emotions, like I, I consider it its own thing, you know, and so you have those three all working together. And so when you can really go through all those different directions, it helps a lot. So I kind of see drugs as like it's the nuclear option in a way. And some people, need yeah, that. they're in a, a dangerous place. But if you can do a bunch of things to get yourself there, it helps a lot. And just quickly going back to the functional medicine thing. I mean, these are like functional medicine doctors. They're like MDs who are working with a lot of different techniques of it outside of the norm. And so if you're really in trouble or you're just looking to really build your health, if you can find one they're they're amazing. They're a little bit sometimes hard to find, but many of yeah. them are MDs. So they can use both sides of the, the spectrum, which is really cool. No, for sure. And it's just like, it's cool to see because there's still science. There's still, I know there's still science out there to back some of their methods. Right. And, uh, because sometimes like going through the traditional MD, like it's, uh, it doesn't always, doesn't always work. Right. So you like, you want to look at all of your, all of your options, right. As a whole. You bet. And there's a lot of cool things, way more science behind a lot of that than I think people see, see, they don't go and read it. They don't read journal articles. They're not looking at it at a research that comes out of China or Korea or Japan. And there's way more out there than people would think. And, and often it doesn't get into the mainstream sort of consciousness and way of treating people. Yeah, no, definitely. And then uh, to give people an idea of, you know, you've, you've talked a little bit about your Nitality Life method, but can you give us like a, like a, uh, like a high level uh, summary or synopsis of uh, how, your, how your Nitality Life method works? You bet. So it's like been a project I've been working on since literally I was a kid trying to figure out different health things and how to work with your mind and your emotions and what a human being is sort of capable at the high end. And so as my life's work to put together something that people could use on their own to change every part of themselves and their life. And so this is my answer to that question. And it actually has 15 systems now and there's ways of working with your brain directly and your neurotransmitters and your hormones and there's ways of like transferring information across the corpus callosum in your brain there's meditation methods and contemplation methods and way of like getting the energy systems in your body to work better and i, I tried to make it all encompassing as, as much as i could and i feel better now i'm, I'm 45 better than i've ever been like even when i was five or six i have more energy now and i'm stronger and I'm clearer and all those things. And so there's a lot of cool methods in there where you can kind of work with yourself in all kinds of different ways to change whatever you would like to change about yourself and make your life work better. And so right now I'm in this process of trying to figure out how to teach it as, as quickly as I can, because, you know, I'm about to release my third book and it's getting more into mind stuff. And this third book has to do with directly how to work with your brain and change your brain states and things like that. That's awesome. And, uh, can you, I know you might not be able to give us, uh, uh, too much of a summary of your new book, but like, what do you know? Would you be able to like give us like the uh, our listeners like the uh, like the like the title and stuff? Just talking with my editor yesterday about the title, and I think we're going to change it, but it's going to be something I think along um, vitalized brain method or something along those. Lines. Oh yeah, right yeah. on. And I've, I've written it. We're just, it's all done. We're just like going through and moving the chapters around to make it a little more accessible for people. So it shouldn't be too long for me to get it out, but it's a lot of direct methods of like literally changing your brain states, understanding them, how to work with some a little bit different meditation processes that then people have so you can get control and experience that. And then there's a method in there of working through different neurological structures in your brain and in your body to make some really cool changes in your health and how you feel and, and how you think, like trying to get rid of mind fog and those kinds of things and settle your emotions out. So I love it. Yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah. I like it a lot. <laughs> of course I made it. I should love it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, when people are trying to make a, uh, 
positive mindset shift, right? Let's say they're in, they're not in the best uh, state of mind initially, but they want to, they want to make that shift. Um, is it best to start from your inner self and work outwards or, or is it, or is it better to um, also look at the environment around you and work from the out, uh, outwards inwards? You know, I think when you're very first starting, any way you can make a change is good. You know, you just start moving things and people will make it so small as like make your bed or, you know, those kinds of things that you kind of hear around. But in general, like once you're past that first step and you're getting a little of movement, personally, I think going from the inside out is going to make the biggest changes because you start to change like the, the origin and the creation of the things that are going on in your life, as opposed to trying to cr change everything that's happening outside of you. For instance, trying to control other people's behavior. Like we all kind of get stuck in that. We're like, oh, we'd like people to treat us this way, or we would like people to do this for us. And it's, you're going to win a lot more often <laughs> if you change yourself. Yeah. You have a, yeah. some control there. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, it's interesting how hard that has been for me to get across, but like, no, but, these people are doing that. I'm like, I know, but they're in, they're in Europe and you're here and there's nothing you can do to change. I know you're scared about what's going on there, but you can do nothing about it. Yeah. What you can do is change what you have going on right now. Right. Stop watching yeah. 10 hours of the news a day. Yeah. Get it down to 10 minutes and then go for a walk or, you know, something to break it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that's a, you made a really good point. Um, so the, I don't know if you've read that book, the compound effect by Darren Hardy, but he talks a lot about that in his book he talks about um like you know one of the best ways to control how you feel about about things and how you feel about other people is to control like it's like an in, information detox a little bit right or like managing all the information that you consume because there's still a lot a lot of negative information out there and the news like yes there's some good stuff on the news but watching it every day you know, multiple times a day, it just, it primes you for, for, uh, to think negatively about things, right? Cause they're, they're, they're negative news sells. So Darren Hardy talked about in his book, he talked about, okay, you know, manage or, or eliminate and choose more positive news outlets, right? That you control the information coming into your, to yourself, into your mind. So we, you know, when people do that, they either manage how much news they're consuming, like you were saying, or, they eliminate that news and they uh, look into like other, like they're building their own custom RSS feed of, of uh, good information, right. Related to their, let's say their career or their uh, industry that they're working in. It's just much more positive and it, and it it's more, um, it builds you up more, right. Cause you're, you're gaining uh, more, more insight into your own trade or your own work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't read his book, but it sounds like we're very much of the same mind in that, you know, and, and when you get outside information is fed to you, a lot of which, you know, they do make more money and they direct you with that fear response. And when you realize it, you're like, oh, okay, maybe I can find a better way to pick up information. Yeah, no, definitely. So it's more like uh, custom, custom to how you want to learn, right? Yeah. And then like really trying to change it to say, how does this use, how is this useful for me right now? Is there anything that's making my life better with this or am I just terrified of everything you know and th those kinds of things they matter and, and this is why i like going from the inside out because for instance what if you could settle out your own, own emotions through your own efforts and some of the things i'm putting in the new book are, are wonderful ways to do that so regardless of what's going on around you you can make yourself feel pretty safe and, and good or maybe even create a state of love without a partner to to give that to you and then you're gonna have much better relationships because you're not desperate trying to get other something from someone else that maybe you could feed to yourself
no, definitely. And um, uh, how can we reconnect to our inner selves when we've become discontent or disconnected with the work that we're doing? Like, what's a way we can? I know we've probably, you know, talked about some ways to do that. But um, when you're, let's say when you're working with clients that have been, uh, you know, they, they feel that they, they feel lost. They feel like not as uh, connected to what, you know, their life's mission, or maybe they've forgotten their life's mission, right? Where they, they were on the right path, but then something along the way, you know, a life, a life event or something like that just got them off the beaten path. How do you get back on the horse or so to speak, or um, re get, get back on that path that, that you feel you were destined to do? Yeah, I think in that regard, there's nothing more important than trying to give your own inner world as much attention as you do the outer world. So what is your mind doing? What are your emotions doing? What is your body telling you? What sensations are you taking in? So most people, they have a, like as much attention as they can on the outside world as much of the time as possible. And I think the real trick is like learning to look at what's going on inside you at the same time you're doing everything else. And do it like at first without a judgmental kind of eye because you'll start to see that your thoughts are all over the place and a lot of them have been projected into you by other people when you were younger and when you really start to look at it, you're like wait a second for instance I'm, I'm a redhead and one of my teachers told me i would never accomplish anything as a redhead which is ridiculous right yeah yeah but i kind of believed it for a little while and then i got closer to like 20 and i was like wait a second that's that's ridiculous that makes no <laughs> sense at all right no um, no and so that i think the first effort is to try to get some attention on what your mind is doing, like what thoughts are going through, because you don't have to believe them. They're not you. Um, what your emotions are doing. What are they? What are they? What information are you getting? What emotions are you feeling right now? And so then the art is kind of like, how do you do both at the same time? So I'm talking to you, but I'm also watching my mind a little bit. I'm, I'm having I'm like talking at times, but I'm also like, what's my emotional self telling me right now? And once you start to reconnect at that, like kind of minute by minute or even second by second level, a lot of things become a lot more clear, like, oh, my life purpose is really for me, like to make this vitality method and try to get it to as many people as I can, because I think there's got to be other people like me that are kind of desperate to look for a way to make their life better. And this is my answer to give them. I like that. I like that. You're re reconnecting with yourself. Yeah. And I had a, I had a potential title for our episode too, which... Uh... I like when, when we, when I released this episode and I send you the audio, I, I, I saw it, I think I saw it like as a line on your website there and it said, uh, be quietly unstoppable. And I really like that because it's, it's speaking to when you're behind closed doors and you're silently working on something like a, a passion project or something that really matters to you, right? Like your vitality method, like you're, you're, you're silently working away, chipping away at it and soon it's going to come to fruition and you're going to share it with the world and it's going to be, it's going to be amazing because you're, you're, uh, that's, that's your, what your, what your mission is, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that was like a quote from my first book that it's kind of the way I live, you know, and my very first editor, she, she emailed me one day. She's like, I love this quote. I'm going to get it. Yeah. I risk, you know, and it's interesting when, when your words affect somebody that way, but that's exactly what I think, you know, is the best way to do it. You know, with my first book, I didn't tell anyone I was writing it until I published it. You know, I love that. <laughs> I made it, and then I was like, "Oh, I published a book," and my friends were like, "Oh, no, no, you, you, you can't write a book." I'm like, "No, you're not listening to me. I published it." You know, and, and it's just interesting to see what you can do when you're kind of quietly working on it. Yeah, yeah. And um, would you say uh, now, at your age now, do you feel more 
um, you see food as like, you know, um, the way you look at food as potential energy and a way to nourish the body rather than to feed an emotional state. You're feeding, right? You're feeding your, your, uh, your body with nourishment and energy to, to be able to do more, be more. Yeah, I think now I kind of see it in three ways. So it's energy and it's, um, it's also information. So like you're telling uh, something and you're telling your mind something. And it's also nutrition, like feeding what's going on, you know, and so those things all to come together. But I do think that information component is useful. You look at something and say, what is this? What is this programming my body to do? And is that something that you want more of or less of? And it just looks a little different when you think of it as packets of almost information that you're giving yourself as well as energy, as well as nutrition. I like that. I've never heard it explained that way. What is this pro what is this food programming me to do or what is this programming me to do? Yeah, it was something I had tripped over a while ago and it wasn't my, I read it somewhere. Someone had said it like maybe when they were talking about genetic material. Oh. Uh. What they mean? I think it was a researcher who said this is like information that's going to your body and when you apply it you're like, "Wow, okay. That changes the whole mechanism." Yeah, yeah, cuz again, you're you're feeding your body that information to either yeah give you like that certain mental state right and then when you and then you know like with the way the foods that you eat and stuff like that because everyone's different like what what effect that food will have on you yeah exactly and then you, you think it through you're like long term where does this go is do i want more of that or less of that yeah. yeah yeah and then um as far as your morning routine this will be last question then i'll let you go um what is your what is your first fifteen to twenty minutes uh, of the morning? I mean, like, let's say you're you're starting your routine. Like, what does that look like? Do you do do you start with, with like journaling or writing or spiritual practice, or do you do you like have your first like uh, you make some breakfast, make some coffee? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, when I first get up, before I even get out of bed, I have a series of exercises that I've made that kind of vitalize your body. It's it, you wouldn't even know I was doing them. I'm just laying there, and then. After I do those, I do a series of meditations that I made and kind of designed to change how your brain functions and get some hormonal things happening. Um, and so the first probably half hour, I'm doing all those things before I even get out of bed. So my body and my mind, my emotions, my brain states are kind of where I want them to be. And it's before anyone can distract me, like before my dog knows to go out or before I look at my phone to see if I need to text the client or if anything happens. So I'm already kind of in a good place that way. Nice. Okay. So you got like a 30 minute, like priming routine for your brain and body right on. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's really helpful too. Right on, right on. Well, uh, really appreciate your time today, Todd. It was amazing chatting with you. And, um, where, uh, what social media platforms are you most active on? And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, like, uh, just explain like kind of like your website and then the best way to uh, get in contact with you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to do a little better with, um, Instagram and Facebook and then LinkedIn trying to get some posts out every day and, and some more videos up there. Yeah. Um, and so those are probably the, you know, I, I put a fair amount out there and then my website is where I'm trying to kind of house everything, but I can be a little slow getting things up there too. But the website address is nitality.com. And I had originally called my system the night home vital life method, which is way too long. And one of my editors is like, why don't we shorten that? So that's, <laughs> that's where the yeah. nitality comes from. It's just the NY from my last name, like filling in that vitality. So nitality.com. Right on, right on. Well, appreciate your time today, Todd, and uh, looking forward to having another episode in the near future. Yeah, I'd love to do more. It's great to talk to you. I really enjoyed it. Right on. Awesome. Take care. You too. All right. Bye for now.
I hope you enjoyed that special guest series episode brought to you by RadioGuestList.com. If you enjoyed this podcast interview with myself and my guests, and you'd like to give me some feedback, please do so by leaving a short review on Apple Podcasts under Mindsep Podcast. That's M-I-N-D-C-E-P, the Mindsep Podcast. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'll be happy to hear your feedback. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can do so as well on social media or on my blog. That's Alexander Muir, A-L-X-A-N-D-E-R, Muir, Amazon Mike, U-I-R, dot com. And thank you for listening and see you all next time.